here we are, 12 rows back, footy from the fans' perspective at the end of a massive Anzac round to finish uh, off round six, a quarter of the way through the year. We always say it, we're learning plenty. We've learnt more this week as I welcome my co-host Seb. How are you travelling? Oh, fantastic, Tom. Very exciting uh, Anzac Day blockbuster, the biggest home and away crowd in AFL history. Um, of course, you, you, Emphasising AFL? Yeah, yeah, there was a bigger one in 58, but that was obviously the VFL. Um, and it was a pretty pretty cracking affair there. Um, well, fitting I, of a crowd that size, I reckon, that occasion. I, you, you would know, and they talk it, talk it up plenty, that 95 crowd where they got 94 that hadn't been sort of approached. And, uh, you know, that was a famous draw. And, and, yeah, you wanted this game to be, you know, on par or memorable like that one, and bloody hell it was. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm just I'm, – I'm waiting for the people to come and point out Nick Dacos's flaws now. Um, people seem to like pointing out what he can't do, but after 30-odd games to 40 touches, kicking two goals in a big fourth-quarter comeback, um, he's a pretty special footballer, Tom. Yeah, look, you, I don't know if you meant to. I was probably in that crowd that thought he was getting a lot of the cheap ones uh, you know, from the kick-ins, but yeah, open my eyes last two weeks. Uh, he's, he's just... A mass possessions, and he's just a smart operator. Gets to the right spots. If you, you've you know got a talent for accumulation, and then you can add being damaging with them, you're going to go a long way. And I think, yeah, in his second year, we talk about him as a household name. You're right; he's 30 games in, so we we could be witnessing something pretty special. Does hurt that it's Collingwood related, but they've got uh, they've got a real good one there. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. He's um he's rising above and. Uh... Yeah, Collingwood just found a way to get it done. Um, it was disappointing for Essendon, but uh, look, that's that's just the way it went. Um, you Ooh, walk off. I, I was sitting here at three-quarter time going, I can't wait to sink the boots into the pies. I, I Look, I know they come back, but the Bombers just really looked all over them. But you you, you got to be a little bit stunned at the almost 180. It's like they swapped jumpers, really. The, I mean, the Collingwood pressure, they're a fit team and probably should have seen it coming, and especially when they kicked that first one. But I think it was Big Weed who'd had a good day, had a ping, hit the post. He kicks that, could be a different ball game, but you can't give the Pies a sniff in the last quarter. Uh, and they lifted. Yeah, they did. They've got a self-belief, and and they just seemed to know what they had to do to, to get it done. Um, it's, yeah, look, I mean, it's disappointing. Disappoint- I'm disappointed. I backed Essendon 1-25. to 25. So oh I got, no! You would have been. I got oh, you would have been sixty about it, you know. The and it was. You would have been yeah. worried it would would have been over twenty five. Well, you... Collingwood win the last quarters. I sort of thought, yep, five goals to three in the last quarter, or five goals to two, or something. Get it close, but Essendon have got enough of a buffer to hang on, and yeah, seven goals to none. It was um, all Collingwood's way, um, which yeah, no, it was a pretty impressive win given they had no ruckman. Um, and what Essendon managed to do to Melbourne last week, missing uh, Gorn in terms of having Phillips and Draper just work Grundy over, um, Collingwood ready and, and just managed to run out the game a hell of a lot stronger. Yeah, I, I was trying to think, yeah, I mean, you, you say the run, it was all, all midfield run. So is it, a you know, with the, uh, do the Bombers mids have that, that fitness base? It, it, 
Where, where, I mean, is it that simple? Well, the Bombers are defending this year, Tom, and their way they're defending, getting up and down the ground, it's it's all or nothing. And um, they were just a little bit cooked towards the end of that that game, and and Collingwood were running on. It was like they were running on grass, and Essendon was stuck in the the heavy stuff. Um, it it it's look, it's a valiant effort and you don't sort of go home and go yep nah great honorable loss sort of thing but um given where we all thought they were going to be and where Collingwood are at being premiership favorites it was a it was a damn good effort to to try and pinch the four points in well as you say it might be an eight point game given where they're going to finish on the ladder <laughs> I'll, I'll still get you on the eight pointers but yeah yeah it, look no, no fans lost for Essendon. Not super, super impressed with their effort, and they're only going to get better. I mean, yeah, even late, Draper did have have a ping at the at the goals late there to just. I think it was actually for the lead, and he just pushed it right. So, um, not not without their chances, but I'm with you. It looked like they, yeah, they were in quicksand, and and Collingwood, they just yeah, they get their their tails up. It, it's just the belief. It, it's a credit to Craig McRae and the group and to do it this quickly. I mean, obviously last year winning close games was their specialty, but they've won two in the last... I mean, it blew out to, what, 13 in the end, which was probably larger than it deserved, but it was basically neck and neck towards the end and they just they keep winning the close ones. Oh, so, so this was a close one even though it blew out, but last week's wasn't when it was just a, a rush of goals late when the game was over? <laughs> you probably uh, caught me out there, given yeah, my boys the Saints involved. But I mean, thirteen didn't feel it wasn't thirteen. I mean, could be like it was last week, where like six was flattering to us. Uh, I think thirteen was flattering to the Pies. Um, you know, it, it it felt you know it felt like a under a kick game. The score, you know, it's kind of like the twenty oh nine Granny said the scoreboard lies, given the game that went ahead of it. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. If that's that's how you want to look at it, I, th- I think the scoreboard's normally a true reflection. But uh, no, it was it was a fitting way to end the Anzac uh, Anzac week round. So we call it the Anzac Day round. But um, you've got every club doing a, a last post and a ceremony and everything else from Friday the twenty first all the way through to Monday the twenty Tuesday the twenty fifth. So sort of the Anzac round and. Uh, very, all, all well done tributes, but um, feels a bit yeah, strange well, hearing it so early and getting right into it on the Friday. Yeah, I guess that's just the, I mean, it, it was weird actually to, well, we kicked the round off in WA, so I guess, you know, at least once in every state, but every team, I guess, needs to do their tribute. So if you're like you and me and watch a lot of footy, you're going to see it a lot. Um Little side note, what do you reckon they do next year? Because it'll be, what, Anzac Day on a Wednesday. Do they go Anzac Eve as the start of the round on a Tuesday? Like, I was thinking that as a little offshoot, what we're going to do next year, or does it become an extremely extended round that finishes on a Wednesday? Uh, Can I just... Hey, look, it's probably happened before. I don't know how long the Anzac well, Eve game's been going. You, so when you when you looked years. at when you looked at the fixture, you saw that the the twenty fifth of April next year's a Thursday. Oh, yep, the old leap year. You've got me there, so we won't have to worry about it. So, yep, yep, so, nice and crisp. Yeah, I was just uh, 
I think, yeah, the calendar's been thrown out with the COVID year and the Olympics not in leap years. It's just been all over the place. But no, no, fair point. Uh, yeah, it'll be... So you've, uh, you've blamed COVID and the Olympics for uh, a my lack of snafu. Um, <laughs> exactly. A quick one for you, Tom. We've got a big Friday night clash St Kilda Port Adelaide, first v seventh. Um, any reason this game wasn't in China? <laughs> well, speaking of COVID, we absolutely no way we're going near... Uh, that at this stage, look, I I don't know. I I think I said it last year when we played Port Adelaide in Cairns and threw this one away, and we played Adelaide the year before that in Cairns and threw that away, and probably before that, yeah, with the games in China. So I think we're trying to get a little bit of stability as a club, and not. I mean, it's is it a winnable oh. game at home at Marvel or is it the money? Uh, we've gone the money, but now we're going the winnable game, which I think is a smart decision. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I was obviously a bit, bit of tongue-in-cheek, Tom. I really can't believe any games were ever played in China. But, uh, uh, yes, and Kilda Port kicking things off on the Friday night. Um, you want to winners and losers? We've sort of yeah. touched on today's game. Uh, big winner. Big winner. Uh, literally and figuratively. Geelong, 93-point winners over the Sydney Swans. Uh, the Cats have now got the second best percentage in the league and are half a game outside the eight. And everyone <laughs> sort of wanted to write them off early and they've steadied the ship and now Jeremy Cameron's the best player and, and they're flying. They've got the Bombers this week. Um, oh, that's a juicy clash. Great time to get them in terms of it'll be a Sunday game, but there's an extra couple of days rest for the Cats. Um, they They're just sort of... Positioning themselves nicely, three and three. Yeah, they're back in it. Look, um, I mean, I was probably top of the line when they were zipping three and basically what they were struggling against the Hawks early. And then since then, it's been probably the most one-sided two and a half games you'll, you'll see. I mean, obviously the Hawks and West Coast will be very nice and then getting a nice... Uh, interstate team at your rural venue will help you, um, but I can't put them too everyone much. Everyone was saying Sydney have got a good record at the Cattery. They've won uh, well, they have won there. The what? last six or something, or three to the last four, whatever it was. I think that's a stretch. I think a good record at the Cattery means you've won there at least once in the last five years. People probably say Freo have a good record down there because they won a game last year. It's <laughs> No team has a good record down there, Seb, particularly all the interstate teams that they play down there. So um, I, I actually probably have it more as the Swans are the losers than Geelong being the winners. Uh, and I know I'm harsh on the Cats. It was a flawless display. But once they get their tails up at the Cattery, it's all over. So I kind of disregard. Uh, I give them credit, but I'll I'll disregard it. I'm more concerned about the Swans as losers. This is genuine demons uh, coming through. Into, I, mean, I know they were down uh, players down back, but this was worrying. Seb, this was uh, they the cats have the mentally sort of stuff. Um, you know, they it's a granny replay. You, you know, you factor in motivation and revenge and blah blah blah. But the you know they've got a good team, the Swans, and yeah, it's a tricky road trip. But like we've said, they've done okay before. I just don't think this was white flag stuff. So it was a concern if you're a Swans. Well, concerns an understatement if you're a Swans fan. Yeah, losing by ninety three is never a good scenario to be in. Like that's that's a big that's a big hit. Um, You're watching Tomahawk play on Callum Mills. Like it just 
I know that was just naturally because McCartan, McCartan, and Rampy aren't playing, but they were just they were yeah. The the white flag went up. A few of the youngsters in the midfield also had shockers. Um, so it just was an ugly, ugly night. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I Sydney were the ones for me. I I had them eighth, and I sort of thought I think I should put them outside, outside the top eight, and they're sitting tenth now. But that. Surprisingly, they've still got a percentage over 100 even after that 93-point loss, which, you know, is credit to where that, where they've started. But, I mean, 20 goals to five in four quarters of the footy, the Swans didn't look like a team that's going to be playing finals. Um, when was the last time you said that, like, you questioned, like, the Swans players' effort or, you know, I guess... You know, <laughs> we get, we're getting into some harsh stuff and we, we do it from the 12th row, but... Yeah, you wouldn't have said that, even though you know they they've they've been beaten, or you know last year I guess a grand final, grand final day the margins can creep out, but you you don't sort of sink the boots into the Swans for this kind of loss, especially in John Longmire's time. No, I mean grand finals. The grand final was probably the last time that was effectively the same. Eighty-one points at the MCG. That was a white. That was white flag stuff. Um, I mean, this was almost a carbon copy. They kicked a couple late in that second quarter like they did in that granny, and you thought, okay, we might have a ball game here, and then the Cats went bang, and it got ugly after that. So, yeah, a little deja vu. Yeah, yeah, it's not like Sydney to, to have that. They are clearly undermanned, um, but there are other teams that are clearly undermanned that are finding ways to fight and compete and, and blokes are digging in and having a crack. Um you know, St Kilda would be a great example of having had no forwards, but still everyone's buying in and, and playing their role. Essendon have had no forward for most of the year. Collingwood have got no ruckman. Um, teams are finding ways to fight through and, and win games, but, you know, Sydney are sort of being competitive as a non-negotiable up there. So um, pretty concerning stuff. You you know, it'd be a braver man than me to say maybe – Maybe John Longmire's time is up at some stage soon. You can sniff out a coach sacking from a mile off or even any sort of wavering. Uh, they, well, did, I'm pretty sure they re-signed him or they, they, they did something contract-related with him recently. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think it might have been because you boys, the ruse, went hard at him um, and the Swans signed him up. But, but I don't look, think he's going anywhere. I just know he's been there quite some time. Um there was a little bit of white flag stuff when they played Melbourne a few weeks ago. That really well, blew out late. That's where you're getting into the worry where they, they, you know, they can beat up on the easier teams at home, uh, and then come up against the good ones and and just just falter. I mean, you're throwing a loss to Port Adelaide at home. That's a game you'd probably say they should win. So, yeah, it, it might be a. Well, I mean, there's another team that we'll get to, but it might just be a bit of a. Comp catching a team that that had a good run last year and they've sort of come back to the pack and and it's even as hell you you mentioning the ladder like if you've got four wins that could get you anywhere from third to seventh so it is a it's an even year and percentage is key so this will this will hurt for the Swans yeah it it percentage is key and it's going to separate teams from the top four and the bottom half of the top eight and the the eight and outside it um, just on the the Swans record they won three of their last four. At GMHBA against the Cats, 
Okay, well, that that's very impressive. And overall, four of their last five, but one of them was a 92-point win against West Coast in 2001, which don't know if you one. really throw that into the... Uh, into the record yeah. books. Well, we couldn't fly. You couldn't get into Perth, so West Coast were just on the road. Oh, there you go. There, there's lots a, of different things. One for the history books. Um, I'll give you another big winner. I had Seb, and they're not my favourite team, but I've got to give them some credit. The Dogs went over to Perth in a game. I thought the Dockers would make a statement in, uh, and on the back of Bont's coattails, we you know we're speaking of Dacos for. Yeah, Bont's put his claims to be second best player in the comp uh, with this performance. Uh, they were unbelievable. They were all over the Dockers. They look like the granny side from a couple of years ago, playing Frio from a couple of years ago when they were up and coming. It was one-sided and, yeah, if they I mean, had had their proper kicking boots on, it could have been real, real ugly. Yeah, it was – these are two teams I still – I certainly couldn't fully trust going into it. You'd tip Frio at home. Not trusting the dogs, um, but Freo and one of their their strengths it was Freo's strengths being their defense and setting up, and you've got Pierce and Ryan and Brennan Cox, and they and they set up and, and they're stingy, and then they can't move it. That's been their their problem all year. They they're very they try and be methodical and build up and move slowly, and it just doesn't give their forwards any chance. Who, by the way, are not that good anyway. So you wouldn't have thought. If the dogs were going to win, you wouldn't have thought they're going to put up a score. You would have thought it's going to be an ugly slog. But no, they got hold of them. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with Alex Pierce. Um, I don't have the exact number, but last year in twenty-one games, I think he had twenty-seven goals kicked on him, and this year in five, he's already had eighteen or fifteen. Um, yeah, geez, uh, huge numbers. Yeah, um, and look, they can't get the ball out of the middle, like. Forget this, we're going to play Nat Fife as a forward. I feel pretty silly having Nat Fife as the Coleman medal pick. Um, <laughs> obviously, he's been injured, I'll give you that. He's been injured, which makes it very, very tough. You know, players get injured, whatever. But they're just not – they're not just getting out of the middle. Outside of Caleb Sarong. Yeah, that's just... what I was going to say. One, one man show. I mean, you, you, I'm not saying he's plateaued, but – Brayshaw isn't having the Brownlow year for me. He's still been good. Will Brody, he sort of come back to the pack a little bit. I don't know if I think they've got Jaeger in to replace David Mundy, and they're not the same kind of midfielder. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't have a great understanding of what like who Jaeger Amir is as a footballer, and he's on his third club, and obviously he's I think he's thirty, so he's. Nearing the end of his journey, but everyone That's, remembers. That sounds he, crazy. He, <laughs> that he's at the end of his journey. I, I just permanently feel like he's a young up and comer. But yeah, yeah you're, you're not wrong. He's uh, he's twenty nine, so he's he's yeah, going. Yeah. He'll be the wrong side of thirty in, in twelve months. Um, but Tim Watson said he might win a Brownlow before he played a game for the Suns, and then Hawthorne bring him in right when Hawthorne drop off from where they were um, excellent. So from 2017 to 2022. And he just, yeah, I, I don't know. I've never seen him rip a game to shreds and just be like, I'm the man now. Like he's just never had it. 
Yeah, maybe at a pinch at the Suns, but it was probably on the back of Ablett having three blokes hanging off him, and he could get a bit of room. But he wasn't, he wasn't nah. having thirty and kicking two. No, nah, you know, nah. like he had five Brownlow votes in total at the Suns. Sat out two years, mind you, injured. Yeah, um, went to Hawthorne to try and get his body right. At, like he wasn't. It's not as though he was terrible. He just was never the player you thought he could have been early on. Um, and yeah, Freo. I mean, I think Freo have really struggled this year with their recruitment, like well, their list management strategy. Like, oh yeah. Well, I was going to throw one uh, at you there, Seb. Like on that. So, I mean, these aren't household names. Um, you know, they're more depth. But you know, Darcy Tucker, Rory Lobb, Dave Mundy, Griffin Logue, Blake Akers. They they were all, you know, first twenty-two players last year. They're all gone. That's a lot of depth I don't think they've replaced. Um, you know, I'm not saying any of them are rip a game or even probably in the top. I mean, maybe you could probably say Mundy lob on his day in the top 10. But, you know, they're helpful players that give the squad a bit more oomph and you bat a little bit deeper and they're all gone. And, yeah, they really brought in young kids and, I guess, players that have been in and out of the team in years gone by are now just in. Um. Yeah, they just look a little bit more fragile from a list point of view in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. It's it's really it's strange to see that you would think they would know what they were doing when those players go and they've got the ready or some some players coming in through the wings. It couldn't have just all been, we've got to get Luke Jackson because how often can you bring in a bloke that's 22 and can do all this, you know? And it seems like they've had that mentality and sold the farm and Melbourne are just sitting there going, well, this is nice. <laughs> Their draft nice. hand coming into this year, I mean, obviously it's early, but it's looking, it's looking really good. Well, Freo would have the sixth pick in the draft, assuming there's no... Priority picks, um, yeah, and that's that's obviously going over to Melbourne. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and they, yeah, what they've already got, I think they might even have a second rounder, or they might have just their own second rounder plus their own first. So they're going to have three picks inside thirty, you'd say, and they'd just be laughing. Yeah, they'll they'll be laughing there with the Giants who have got Richmond's pick three at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, you love the you love a good future pick at this time of the year, but yeah, uh, strategy wise, I'm, I'm with you. So they, they've taken out a lot of that depth, uh, haven't replaced it. Uh, probably were wanting a bit more of that natural improvement, I guess. Yeah, forward or centre, particularly, probably, um, you know, like a oh, Matty Tabin is a bit old, but a Jaya miss to you know really take the step up and and dominate. And yeah, they wanted Jackson to be kicking two goals a week and. I mean, well, yeah, we're talking players here, but maybe you've got to go into the coaching box too. They just, like, they can move the footy, but it's just in the back half. I just think they lack imagination, Seb, but it's a bit predictable. And, like, when you've got no one to kick to, I guess you can only really kick it around the back. But, you know, you've got a Jordan Clark and a Hayden Young, and they can't use them because they can't kick to anyone. Yeah, it's their own fault they've got no one to kick to. Like, they they went hard at Luke Jackson as as the guy, and... He's just never shown he's going to be a key forward and a target. He's a dynamic player who can drift forward and have a sense forward. But right now they're crying out for a a, a Max King, a Ben King type of 
just a big key forward that'll take one, have a second come over to help and still sometimes mark it. And if not, ball comes out and keeps moving. Um, they're just, they were on such a positive trajectory and they obviously beat the dogs in a final over there effectively seven, eight games ago. Yeah. And the dogs have gone over there and done a number on them. The only positive I can really say is their percentage is still okay sitting right on 90 or 89.9, which, you know, if you get a couple of the right teams and have a big win, you can shoot it right back up. But, I mean, they've already played north and lost, so there's a percentage boost gone. Yeah, well, um, I've got – I'm looking at their sort of April through to May. So, Lions at the Gabba this week, tricky. Uh, Hawks at home. I mean, if you can't beat – they <laughs> they can't beat the Roo, surely – They'll get the job done against the Hawks. Sydney at the SCG, Geelong, Melbourne. You know that that's rounding out May. There's there's probably maybe what two wins at best there. Like to be honest, so it, the year appears at this point shot. You know things can turn around quickly, but I don't know. I don't think they're going to make the final. Seb, yeah, I know no, you've been on no. them for a long time. I Is have this... been. Put a line through them. Is this their, uh, what was it, the D's 2019? They made that prelim 2018 and then just went back and then really, tri- you know, jumped forward. Is it th- that kind of situation or are they really what, you're, you're saying Freo can win the flag in three years, are you? It's an argument. You, you, you've you you've thought they're on that trajectory? I have, but now I'm saying sack the coach. <laughs> okay, so you've jumped right off them. That's, that's probably a step too far, but they've got some serious problems in there that, I don't. I think the list makeup's just just wrong, and where they've gone looks looks wrong. Um, they're supposed to win those home games. That's the whole point of of the whole, the biggest negative you have as a Perth team is the travel. Yep. So what you got to do is when you get the home games and make the teams travel to you, you got to beat them, beat them good, beat them solidly, make them yep. wish they didn't have to come over here and play. And they have not done that. They've done effectively the opposite. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's disappointing when you, you think you're in a chance for finals, and now your season's cooked after six weeks. You know, you don't you don't it's, want to be in that spot. It it is savage. Like you, I mean, yeah, we're six weeks in, and we're talking like this. That's how quickly it can move. Like it's just out of their hands. I love also Seb that we've. We've started with two winners, but sunk the boots into two losers. Uh, that's just the way we've gone. We might add a third here. Um, I'll be brief, Seb, which is hard on this team because, you know, I love them. But um, really got to say the Saints are a winner. I wasn't sure if we could beat Carlton. Uh, and they look good on the day as well. Their forwards look like they could have an absolute day out. Turned into an arm wrestle that had one of the more flat last quarters you'll see. We took the absolute sting out of the game and Carlton accepted it and it ended up being basically that old uh, circle work game we used to uh, warm up to at the Rovers where there's five footies floating around and you just try and get as many kicks as you can. Uh, have a look at some of the numbers in that game. But uh, Saints are winners there, but Blues massive losers. Uh, and I'm worried, Seb, about their – and it's come up a couple of times, their, their midfield and their lack of ability to hit the scoreboard. I think – Carlton's starting eight midfielders. Uh, Walsh has been injured, but Cripps, Kennedy, Chera, uh, I'm probably Hewitt. forgetting a couple. Hewitt kicked three goals in this opening six weeks between them. So it, it's, you know, if if Mackay and Kerno don't score, uh, luckily they have, but if they don't score, then 
Carlton don't score because their small forwards don't kick goals either at this point. So it's uh it's a worry given yeah, they're they're top end talents, some of the best in the comp, but after that it, it drops away and they just yeah, can't find a way to produce a, a winning score. Did they kick themselves out of it? Like kicking for goal or just kicking around the ground? Kicking for goal. It, probably. They had chances late in the second to sort of... It was goal for goal for the first half. I think 11 score changes or something. And then, yeah, they they had a, they peppered it late. I think they were seven goals, nine at one stage. And it really could have been, you know, uh, 10 goals, five, for example. So I think they missed some real gettable chances that I was like, geez, we got off the hook there. I said that a few times on the actual game day. Uh, and then, yeah, we... We missed a few too, but took just took the game by the scruff in that third quarter and kicked away, and then they just didn't give a yelp. So um, they, yeah, they they were in their rights to. I was worried for most of the game; didn't feel comfortable for a lot of that match. Yeah, it's so, only hindsight. I'm saying this now, you know. So the, I I thought they would beat us. To be fair, did you did you tip the Blues? Ah, uh, good, good question. Geez, it feels a while. I put my I put my tips in real early in the week. Uh, I'll have to double check that. I, look, I might have. I can't remember. Gee, I can't that'll remember that'll sting if you did. I um, I hope, I hope you followed my little tip in the in the group chat, Tom, where I said the Saints are value at two twenty. Couldn't you believe were going on. Would yeah. not believe Carlton were favourites after the way they've been playing and game played out a little bit. I mean, they missed some chances, but they, the, um, it just, the Saints have just got an ability. If you do not take your chances, you won't get second chances, and they just sort of squeeze a life out of you. Um, they've got, they had all the top disposal getters Chera 39, Walsh 38, Acres 36, Cripps 34, Hewitt 29 with 30 meters gained. So that was, that's an that's interesting one. It circle works, Seb. It was all if you could see a heat map, and I know you love a good heat map. Uh, it was all in the back half when we just, yeah, conceded the game, and almost it was almost the footy park, the bus. Uh, just for the record, I did tip the Saints, so let the record show that. But um, they yep. just racked up big numbers, and they were happy to just do that. You know what I mean? Where where was their their dare and uh, you know want to take that game on? Yeah, no, it. It, it it's a little bit alarming, and don't worry, mate. They, they can't see you wink at the camera, but I did when you said you tipped the Saints. Um, it's I look. I thought the Saints would win this. Carlton weren't great against North, which, if you look at that form line, you should be beating North if you're going to be playing finals. Um, they obviously just gave up against Adelaide, and then they were coming in here where. I still look at this list and go, there's not that much talent there. There's not a lot to work with. But if you don't come out firing, Ross has got the boys on um, talent aside, the Saints having a red-hot dip and they're 5-1. and one, So you've got to respect it. Um, I didn't think Carlton was suddenly going to flip the switch and this was the game they're going to win. Um, the they They just need to – I don't know what it is. He's going to have to do a lot of soul-searching, Michael Voss. He got a lot of credit last year. They were eight and three and dropped off, missed the finals. They're still in the eight. All this doom and gloom, they are still sitting eighth. Poor percentage, though, 92.4. They're very – obviously, they've got the draw, which means that percentage won't matter. 
does not matter what what they do percentage wise. <laughs> you, you ignore just, the tigers is what the way what that's the subtext there. But yeah, it won't no, matter. I, I just contradicted myself there by going poor percentage doesn't matter. I still look at the percentages as a reflection on how well they're traveling. So Melbourne's one hundred twenty nine point four versus Adelaide's one hundred and one. Both on four wins, Melbourne are traveling a hell of a lot better than Port, even though they've both won the same number of games. Um, Geelong and Sydney, same number of wins. Uh, Geelong and the Dogs, same number of wins, almost fifty percent different, one hundred and thirty-seven to ninety. So, <laughs> um, just that's sort of how I use it as a gauge. But West Coast this week, Carlton. Probably couldn't get a better time for West Coast to either roll into town or head over there. Um, yeah, probably a chance handy, to it? galvanize yourself with the number of injuries the Eagles have got. You know, Will Schofield hasn't played a game for three years, pulled on the boots for the reserves, um, I think, on the weekend just gone. So they're just in a world of hurt. It's a chance to get the season right, but it just it baffles the mind that a team with two Coleman medalists and the Brownlow medalist can't seem to find a way to kick goals and, and beat teams. Yeah, that's that's what I, I yeah. You tear your hair out as a Blues fan. You yeah, you'd think they would be able to get it done. So yeah, they're a loser for me in that way because you know this was a test. I mean, if they won this, we would have heard it scream from all kinds of rooftops and and whatnot. But yeah, now they're sort of back in that that middle of the ladder pack. Um, to whip through another couple of winners and losers, I I was ready to. Well, well, we'll hear from your Premiership Pyramid. I'm huge on the Ds, and they were looking mightily shaky last night. No. Uh, but Richmond ran out of legs. No, Richmond played a bit of a good, what, second quarter? Oh, they himself. just had you, – you've you've seen plenty of these. You know that danger game vibe you get where a team, a young team gets a sniff. Maybe that's happened to the Saints more than, than most teams said, but I, I could sniff it out before it comes, but – yeah, they just flexed in that second second half and and got the job done, or basically that last quarter. Um, but but th- th- this is the thing about Richmond. They had a patch in the first quarter. It was two goals to one. They went bang, 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 bang. And then it's five goals to two at quarter time. Third quarter, three goals to four, Melbourne's way. Fourth quarter, two goals to four, Melbourne's way. Last quarter, one goal to five, Melbourne's way. So Melbourne were on top. For three quarters, they won, won comfortably. It was a little bit closer on the scoreboard, but I I was watching it. I was just thought, never in doubt, Melbourne are going to win this. Um, I just the, this Richmond team doesn't seem to have the legs to play out four quarters. Um, their superhero Dusty is just not what he was, and they're missing players all over the place. And the fact like Nankervis out. Really hurts when you, we've got Max Gorn coming back, who's just clunking them everywhere. So, um, could have been a danger game, but watching that unfold, I never really doubted that Melbourne were going to get on top and and win that game. Even though you know they were only they're only down by they were losing at three quarter time, it just never never really crossed my mind. Yeah, that's the supreme confidence in a team there. Oh, look. Yeah, you, you've rated them. I, I, had, I had worries. I wasn't sure if yeah the Essendon, Essendon thing was an aberration or if it if it was if it was true. I yeah, it's. I mean, they've got so much talent. The D's. I, I still think it's it's the motivation that's their only issue. Like they've got enough talent to beat every team in the comp. It's whether they just switch it on in particular weeks. I mean, last year, yeah, ten straight and then faded. Like 
they just want to get to September, basically. They've got a team ready for September. They've just got to basically time their run. They'll win enough games, but uh, they're almost a different version of Brisbane in that way. You know, we've sort of written off Brisbane. They can't really prove anything until, you know, we get to September. The Ds are probably the positive version of that. Like, we know they're going to go, all right, let's get them to September and see how they go. I bet that's yeah. what D's fans wish. Like, they, I mean, they'll enjoy the season, but really, they're they're, they're going for that flag. So, um, but yeah, it's basically they're trying to get that forward mix right and and prime for September. That's that's their their season's goal. Yeah, that, no doubt. And that we we said that coming season. in. We we said that coming in. They were their biggest the biggest opponent's probably going to be health, and if they can get them all healthy and on the park, they're a shot to beat anyone. Come. September. So um yeah, I, I never really had it in doubt. If if this was round twenty two, I'd be maybe a little bit more concerned that Melbourne are not humming and they're not, you know, you, you can't let teams in September get a style in you and get some momentum. Um, but we're round six, you gotta get the wins and you know these Anzac Day games, I'm I'm told you can or oh, Anzac Eve, this one sort of it ties in sort of directly. Um you can get, you know, you can get some extra motivation from players, you know, seeing the the, the services and having the, the, the war veterans come and talk and all that sort of stuff can sort of spark things. So they can be danger games in, in some way. So Melbourne did what they did, got the four points. Um, there's a game on in Tassie, Tom. I don't think many people would have uh, sat down to watch this, but... <laughs> Hardly, hardly a blockbuster, and and one for sore eyes. Seb, I I won't go the jumper clash thing this week, even though there were some absolute shockers, uh, Brisbane Giants and this one. But uh, yeah, a plink and you'll miss it one, except if you go for either side. I reckon. Yeah, so this was probably unique. I'm going to say there were two winners on this day. Adelaide are now a serious finals team and a finals threat. So they just had to win, even though they were obviously a little bit off. Um, a shout out to uh, your boy, Darcy Fogarty, slotting that on the boundary with a drop punt. That's that's something you very rarely see these days, but that obviously got them over the line. And Hawthorne, for all their gusto and effort, they lost and, and keep a stranglehold on that number one pick. <laughs> is this going to come up in multiple weeks? I feel like we went there last week when they, uh, what was it? Who were they playing last week? The Giants. They snuck snuck it, uh, well, snuck a loss in that one. Uh, I mean, is this the, are you continuing? This is the ideal result for a Hawks fan right now. The heartbreakingly close, gallant loss. Oh, it, it doesn't feel it at the time, but um, I'm I'm just... It's it's what they want, what they need. Like I've been critical, Tom. I, th- I think that's a fair statement to make. I've been critical <laughs> of the horse, slightly unders, but yeah, you have been. Part of the criticism is they don't have the talent. How do you get the talent? Well, you draft the talent. So, if so facto, this is this is where you got to start. Um, so, yeah, I just they did everything they could. Probably should have won. There was a bit of a soft free kick downfield from Sicily. Um, but they didn't, and you take all the positives out without getting the four points and move on. Um, I'd just, yeah, I'd, I'd say big, big positive for both clubs. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you, the Hawks have uh, they've. I mean, yeah, you, you're talking about getting talent on a list. 
don't mind the work of uh, Fergus Green. He, he's come, I think, from the dogs list. And without Mitch Lewis there, they need someone to kick the goal. So he, he's put his hand up. Whether he's long-term, I don't know. But in this current state, he's been a good win for them. Um, yeah, the Crows, though, yeah, that... We're almost at that point, I think, actually, at the end of this week. It's round seven, isn't it? End of round seven. You don't tend to see too many ladder changes. So You've really got to stop saying that, Tom. You don't like it as a stat? Well, it holds up. can you name any teams that were eight and three last year? Yeah, I could say two of them. But that's yeah. eight do they, three. Do they play finals? Yeah, well, uh, that's the that's no. the stat, Seb. Every, there's, every year, there's at least two teams that drop out after round seven, but largely... The majority stay in, so yeah, you it's can not pinpoint- the stat. The stat is there's almost never any changes after round seven, but inevitably there always is. No, I don't. I don't, I don't know. You got to you, come back. You got to come back and tell me what the stat is. All right, I'll go. I'll go digging during the you week. You keep saying there's not many changes, and then here we are. There's going to be changes almost no matter what because Geelong are coming in. I'm telling you. Well, yeah, that, that's obvious. So, uh, look, I'll get you the stats, Seb. I'll have it ready. I, it, it's There's a minimum, uh, sorry, maximum three is all you'll ever see. So it's not like the whole eight changes. So maybe, look, let me find it and I'll get it to you, but uh, I'll, I'll keep you honest. But it's a good time because round seven is about when that uh, that cutoff point comes, and yeah, the crows are in the mix. So I'm with you. They keep banking wins. I, I I'm loving the footy they're playing. It's it's it, look this week's probably not the most entertaining they've had, but they got the job done. This is kind of the learning to win that you know the good teams find a way to get a, a result out of here. They're learning that. Um, Something Carlton could, I mean, I, you thought they were developing that one, but um, yeah, the, the back half of the year for the Crows will be obviously the, the test for me. This is youngish team, so you know, July, August do tend to drag out for a young squad. So, look, bank them now and see how you go. But they're playing good footy. Yeah, they are. They're playing exciting. I mean, we saw what they did to Carlton the week before. Um, maybe they drank a bit of their own bathwater and went down there, but. They were still able to get the four points, which which was pretty impressive. And and they're certainly going to be in the mix for for a top eight spot. Um there's one stat I want to mention, Tom, and it's not really winner or losers related, although technically it is about winning and or losing. But since Scott Pendleby was drafted, Collingwood have won uh what's that, thirteen of seventeen Anzac Day games. Really? Yep. So you know how everyone talks about uh, how it's always, no matter where they are on the ladder, it's an even game and it's a classic and all this other garbage? No, I, I've genuinely bought a bit of that. I, I thought they, it, if it 17, it might have been 10-7. Not, you know, the pie's way, yeah. but not that's a landslide. That's yep. bogey team sort of stuff. It is. It's getting to that point. So Collingwood won the first three. Well, sorry, the first one was drawn. Collingwood won three, Essendon won three. Collingwood won one, Essendon won three. Then Pendlebury's drafted. Essendon, uh, Collingwood won three, Essendon win one. Collingwood win another three, Essendon win one, Zaharakis. Collingwood win the next three, Essendon win one. Collingwood win two, Essendon win one. Collingwood have won the last two. It's not as even or as, um, you know, no matter where they are, it's a classic sort of stuff. It, it, it's... It's not really what it is. It just gets hyped up um, 
because of the event it surrounds. I guess yeah, you, it's easy to get swept up in it because yeah, that, yeah, that that's a very damning stat if you're if you're a don. Maybe the fan base talks it up too, as in they'll claim a win and celebrate it for years to come. Uh, you know, and you hear about their wins more because oh, I can't believe it's thirteen. That that's just a lot. Yep, yep. No, you heard it here first, Tom. I like that one. Uh, speaking of the the round itself, did you did you miss Thursday night footy? I know we're going a while back, but you know we moved to the the, the uh, Friday well, night mix now, so we've was, got that for the next six or seven weeks, and then we go to a patch of Thursday nights and then back out. So, how did you had to sit with you? Yeah, well, I was missing it on Thursday, but the round was still five days long, so you elongate it with a Thursday, and it's six days long. It's too long. Yeah, this week's probably a bad week to test it, but I, I think. Oh, look, I miss a Thursday. I, I, there's plenty of argument that was coming up during uh, the latter part of last week, but look, I, I'm not sure why we don't keep pushing it. I know maybe they don't want to kill it by uh, overrunning it, but I like a Thursday night game set. Yeah, uh, the broadcasters do too, so that's going to be pushed um, in the next CBA, which I think they're working on. Obviously, this talk of uh, they want to trade contracted players against their will and things like that. Um, Thursday night footy will be front of the agenda. Um, players well, want to earn more money. You've got to play Thursday night every week, get more eyeballs on the on the free-to-air space, and they'll pay more for the rights. Simple as that. Well, yeah, I guess that that's the argument, isn't it? The uh, the five-day breaks that'll come. But if, yeah, if there's more money in it and the players can get paid more, they'll give that concession. They've already done that to get all these Thursday nighters because probably five, six years ago it was once or twice a year in the buys uh, and now we've started the season with six of them. So um, interesting point though about trading contracted players. So we see that well in the US uh, a lot, uh, particularly baseball I'm pretty sure uh, and my source on that, Seb, is watching Moneyball a lot. That's a great movie. Uh, but they can trade players at any time to any team do you like that as an initiative first off? Uh, and then what do you uh, think about, you know, the negotiating that comes with that? Uh, it, it It's where we're going to end up eventually. You would say players are not earning enough for it to just happen willy-nilly, like just suddenly sending, you know, a bloke on 120 grand up, up to Sydney and then he's sort of got to work out what's going on. Um, but at the same time, we don't seem to care when kids get drafted. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> they, get, they're just happy to get drafted. They can get drafted anywhere, and then someone like a Horn Francis can hold the club ransom and say, I need to go home to this club. And you said just Port Adelaide, but um, made sure that Adelaide had declared they wanted Isaac Rankin before he suddenly declared he was coming to North, uh, coming wanting to go to Port Adelaide. Um so he orchestrated it really well and North couldn't try and get the best deal. You know, we couldn't go, Geelong, like, do you want him? Like, your culture will be fine. You'll you'll set him straight. We can't handle it. Do you want to give us some stuff and work out a deal? Would you give us more than what Port are doing? You know, we couldn't do that. So um, that will make things interesting. But I sort of, till the players are earning a little bit more, it's a little bit hard. So as part of bringing that in, we've got to up the wages. But... You know, I'd say the players are underpaid. Carey was on a million bucks a year in the 90s. Now the top players are only on 1.3. Like, 
Yeah, it's, it's not, not a huge amount of growth, is it? It's not grown in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's yeah. There's obviously a touchy side of this. With I think they're trying to link the AFLW CBA in with it, which you know, if if we're talking revenue and and share of the pie and all that, the, that's going to hurt the male players initially, while money goes into the female game to grow it. But it. It remains to be seen what will happen, but trading contractor players is just a no-brainer. Um, to, oh, I want to see that. Movement. I want to see that just to see some of the the deals that get done. I mean, we're we're you know obviously in the tall throw as I've said, uh, calling the shots. And I mean, yeah, if you listen to any trade week radio, some of the fan trades that come in are nuts. But it, it's it's heading down. It's it's in that ballpark. Said when we're talking, you're talking just. Pure, it it almost, I guess, takes almost that human factor out of it a little bit because it's just an asset on a page trading with another asset on another page. But, um, you know, it has swung very much towards the players. So I'm not surprised the clubs want some back. And if you're a club and you can get, you know, players regardless of what their wishes and you can get your talent in, then you're going to love that. So... Yeah, it's it's an interesting arm wrestle. I don't. Yeah, we just. I'll be interested to see the dollar figure that gets it over the line. Like, what do the players want? Like, what are they willing to pay to lose that? Because it. Yeah, it's a big one. Yeah. the The other side of this is, um, so they're talking about bringing in a mid season trade period, which I think will happen before this training of contract play, contracted players comes in, um, and that makes it harder. So. The one thing about trading contracted players is there's a trade period of about two weeks. So if you get traded in that period, like the issues for the players have to relocate kids in schools, all that sort of stuff, but they're only getting paid. They're not getting paid big bucks to just then splash on on moving, whereas in the NBA it happens all the time, but the lowest paid guys are getting paid a million dollars a year. Yeah. You know, and – Yes, they'll do anything they can to keep their dream alive and keep playing, but it's a little bit different when you're getting paid the minimum, which is I think 110 or something. You know, like to to be getting paid that and keep your dream alive, but you've now got to move all like moving's expensive, and you got to move up to Queensland and and then find a place up there and rent that, but you only rent it for six months because you're on a one year deal. So you know, it it that scenario is tough, but. Trade period only happens between whatever it is that week in October or 10 days in October. So players can set themselves up for the next year because in theory, they've got to do the preseason training and show up for that and do all that. But they can fly out while the kids are still in school and finish that off and then they've only got to get the kids sorted for January 31. So I think there's still ways it can be done because it's not like the NBA where you could be traded in week seven. And then suddenly you're playing in Adelaide versus Victoria, and then trade it again in week twelve because your salary's just part of a you know just making the numbers match for a salary cap. So that makes it a little bit easier. Do you think we'll tiptoe into it, which the AFL tends to do? Like we're we're sort of seeing future picks that was held back. You can't really go multiple years into the future with this. Like, are they going to cap it at how many times you can trade a certain player? Like, I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do there. Because yeah, we, we don't send. I mean, we bring in these initiatives, but we start with the lowest risk version of that before we expand it as 
as they see success. It's risk averse, as we've seen the AFL do on a number of different things. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna dip their toe in and and wade through. Um, it's still a few years away from becoming a reality, I think. But that's all the talk um, at the moment, and obviously there's. There's lots of trade talk going on, considering we can't trade for about six months. Well, that that's the that's the other thing that gets me. I, I think trade week's been turned into a a marketable event to keep AFL in the papers during the off season. That that's all it is to me. Like it, it on paper, like you say, couldn't we? I mean, maybe do you look at from you know the Monday after the granny through to maybe the draft. Is just an open window, you know that that would make sense because there's time for player movement, those discussions, things to come and go. But I think we want, yeah, that that condensed week. It's a, not even two weeks, week and a half, ten day period where it's just super intense and it's AFL. I guess while racing's coming up before cricket gets going, we're in the papers again, uh, grabbing headlines and the sponsors flying in as well. It's yeah, it's. I don't think it's as done as well as it could be. Um, and yeah, I'm probably potting <laughs> the trade week as it is because I think yeah, the the media. I know we're part of it technically, said, but it's been it's been turned into an event, and I I'm yeah, I don't enjoy it. Yeah, I I tune out. You you don't need to actually consume it all. You just need to get the updates of who actually got traded where. Um, some people must love it though because some of those fake trades they ring in and suggest a. They're quite out there, um, but but it's yeah, it'll come back to the CBA on this one. And there's a couple of interesting. This is, so this is a side note. Um, you hear the talk about the day Twilight Night Grand Final come out again, saying the it was yeah. Jay Clark reported that the Anzac Day Eve game was sort of a trial for a night grand final. And the what the six or seven years prior that we've had that game haven't been a trial. Why, like, I did not get that talk. Uh, well, you know, I think we- that the broadcasters are going, Look at look at this, look how good it is. They're doing it right. If we get the entertainment right, that's how good the Twilight Grand Final can be. Um, what I'm hating about this, and I don't care whether you sit on night, twilight, day, morning, whatever, grand final. The people who are pushing it, they're almost puppets for the media and for the AFL because they're not actually going, oh, this might be a good idea. They're they're getting the information fed down to start putting it out there to the people. We're going to get one. We're going to get one eventually, but they just keep feeding us some information to see what the reaction is to work out when it will happen. Um, it started early this year because this will come up again as part of the whole Gill successor thing and he's not leaving and all that sort of garbage. Um, it just, I just wish they'd rip the band-aid off and go, yeah, we're going to do it in 2026. That's when we're going to set ourselves up and we're going to get, you know, we're going to try and get some of the hottest bands in town to come over, um, you know, like bands that play Coachella, like Blink-182 or things like that, you know. Um <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I had this dip to you, Seb, for getting them in there through Coachella. I did catch some vision. That was that was awesome stuff. Um, well, well, look, while we're mentioning things that grind our gears, can can we cool it on the hundred goal in a season talk? I know Jezza Cameron's off to an unbelievable start. I mentioned before 
when I was talking about the Bont second best player. He is the best player in the comp in my books, Jeremy Cameron. But let's just see if he's in the 80s and about round 17, 18 before we make the call on whether the ton's doable. We've had plenty of blokes get off to great starts. Uh, it's a long, long season and he's got to average, what, four and a bit goals a game for 20 plus games. Uh, let's just, yeah, let, let's just pump the brakes. I would love to see it. Don't worry. After seeing the run on for Buddy last year, we all want to jump onto the ground and celebrate 100 goals. But I feel like this topic comes up every year at this point when we've had a few big bags early in the season as teams sort of are working themselves out and we get real excited. But it's, I mean. How, well, how, how many games are in the year now? 23, right? 23. Geelong play a grand final. It's 26 games you can play in a year. That's only 3.8 goals a game. That's a little bit more conceivable. What happens if he kicks 100 10 minutes to go in the fourth, scores tied? Yeah, look, I'd never. Uh, well, Are they still allowed to run on 100,000? Look, I guess they would. They'll they'll try not to, but they'll be as good as the Port Adelaide security was in 2004 when the G-Train did it. They weren't meant to run on that night, and they ran on and derailed what was going to be a famous win. Uh, thanks for reminding me of that, Seb, but surely they run on. That's the tradition. Great to see all the corporates running out from their, their boxes on Granny Day to celebrate that one. But Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. They, they need to cool it, but it's also an exciting thing that, he's on pace for and uh, we'll keep watching. So as much as you might want him to call it, I'll just get used to it until he has three quiet ones and then the whole, the dream goes away because he's got to average seven a game. Look, um, I'm, I'm excited to see it too. Don't get me wrong. I just think we had this talk a couple of years ago. It might've even been last year. Kerno came out of the box. He had about 18, 20 at this stage. No, it was even, I think it was even Tex. He had that little purple patch to start last year mm. and everyone was going, here we go, the ton's on the way. And it just, yeah, it's a long season. So it seems uh, strange coming from a Saints fan, given the lid's usually off at this point of the year. But uh, yeah, yeah but if, he's, if he's around the 50 mark by the bye week, then we'll start paying some attention. And I'm happy with that. Uh, round seven coming up, Seb, what, uh, what game are you looking forward to in this round? Well, Friday night is a cracker. St Kilda Port Adelaide at Marvel. Um, Port have been a little bit of a bogey side of the Saints in recent years. Yeah, so true. despite the fact that it's at home, you'll want to come out firing and, and get the points on the board. Um, you've got a local derby in the Battle of the Bridge. No one cares. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously. No one. No one's interested in that. Um Whack. Look, is, is it the farm game still, Essen and Geelong? I think yeah, yeah, country game. Uh, attention the, to. the Cats have a a jumper for that occasion. I don't know if the Bombers have put theirs out yet, but that, that game's a ripper. I can tell you a fun fact I learned about jumpers this week, Tom. The so, AFL like avoiding a clash strip policy? No. Sorry, you keep poking I, that one. I can't stop. Not a fun fact, and that's something we all knew. Um. <laughs> So not every club has an Anzac Day logo on their jumper. Not every club had an Anzac round jumper. Clubs are only allowed six across the year. Like six non- Six different jumpers. Six, Really? So home, away, and then like gather round. Some clubs had it. Retro round, 
and so on and so forth. And some of them who don't round, bother with, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, um, so Doug Nichols round. So the clubs who don't bother with, you know, obviously Melbourne, Richmond, Essendon, Collingwood are all going to go big on Anzac Day, but um, Sydney was one of them who didn't have it because they're not, this just don't have any sort of participation in anything Anzac round. So in, in the sense of they don't have one of those games, not having to dig at them. Um, so, yeah, it was, they only got six and they design obviously X number of them. So Sydney, one of Sydney's will obviously be, be the pride round. Yeah, they'll do a jumper for that. So I don't know what their other that. ones would be. Uh, well, pride, home, away. They've got a couple of aways. You know, they've got the V. Oh, yeah, I guess they include that. And you've got a they? retro pride um, indigenous. So yeah. you can get to six pretty quickly. Home, away, indigenous is three, and every club's got them. Um, but, yeah, just a little little fun fact, and that's probably why some of these clubs don't bother with jumper clashes. Um, <laughs> You've got six jumpers to put together. Anyway, you, yeah. you're riling me up late in the show here, Seb. Um, the, the the other one will be interesting is all the Richmond fans will have to travel to Marvel, and if they lose that to the Suns, I guarantee you they'll be, they'll be fuming about having to play at Marvel. I'm looking forward to that. Well, yeah, if they lose that, I, yeah, I'm with you. I guarantee you they'll blame Marvel and, and not themselves. That That's, I don't know, maybe I'm sniffing for a coach here, Seb. Is that Dimmer in trouble if they lose that one? Well, Caro was talking about Dimmer might be moving on soon. Um, well, so, Like succession plan style or just that he's Just it might be trouble. time. It yeah. might be time. Um, but I, I, I think he will be... I think that'll be handled pretty well. I won't be able to sniff that one out. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't uh, blame you. Hey, I'm not. Uh, I don't mind the last game of the round. Actually, Crows Pies Adelaide Oval to finish the rounds. Uh, that's a genuine cracker. That one. It is. It is. Uh, I like, don't know. Who, would who'll... you call it like a like? Well, it's a test for Adelaide, but I mean. You, if they don't win, you could you can't really knock them. It's just more to see if they're like if they win, then they're really legit. They lose, it's like okay, well they're still coming. Like they don't really have much to lose in this game, really. Oh, nothing to lose. They're they're flying. They're doing everything right. Um, both teams, well, Collingwood five wins, Adelaide four, similar percentages. So, um, game on. It'll be uh, yeah, that's probably definitely one to pay attention to. It, it, it's interesting. They don't have obviously floating fixtures for these early rounds, but either one of the Essendon, Geelong, or Adelaide Collingwood would have slotted in better to the three twenty slot for free to air than Richmond Gold Coast. You're definitely right about that. I mean, I know they've they've plugged away at the country game. You'd think, yeah, that could have got it into the three twenty slot. And Suns at one ten on a Sunday is almost their home slot. So yeah, that that is a that is a puzzling one that one, um, and what what will be the game on the Saturday night? Will they do your game Melbourne, against the Mel- Melbourne North, the two Victorian North. clubs? Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I don't know what you're expecting in that one, Seb. That'll be uh, interesting. Are you, are you okay with your ruse? I haven't asked you yet, actually, in this show as we almost wrap it up, but uh, just just finding it tough at the moment. The, the ruse to score? Uh, we're still short for key personnel, it would seem. 
Yeah. Look, if it makes you feel any better, there's a lot of love for Elder U and my fan. We were complimenting him on the drive home from the Saints game. He is... You've got a jet there. You already knew that. Um, that that's that's the show, Seb. I, I've, I've loved the Anzac round. Bring on round seven. Uh, we love AFL. We'll be covering it as we always do. And we look forward to you listening next week.